Welcome to The Prosper Project, the show that helps entrepreneurs build brands that impact the world and the bottom line. We know that success doesn't come in a one-size-fits-all package. That's why we're bringing you adaptable marketing strategies along with valuable insights from inspiring changemakers, firebrands, and visionaries. I'm Lorraine Sugart, founder of the disruptive brand agency, Prosper for Purpose. Now for this week's episode. Carrie Flynn has a talent for simplifying systems and stabilizing businesses. Terry is the owner of Virtual Simplicity, which specializes in helping clients grow and scale their businesses using the Zenpreneur formula. This process helps clients create a sustainable and long-lasting business. Virtual Simplicity provides services through a simplified-to-scale VIP day and one-to-one growth marketing consulting and integration. Carrie is coming today from Orlando, Florida, where she lives with her husband of 17 years and their two daughters. So welcome, Carrie. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really happy to have this conversation with you. You and I met online and we've been in some networking groups together. And so now I'm bringing you here and I am Really looking forward to learning about your business evolution because over the past few years, you have made some changes to your business. And my understanding is that you've gone from being really about the processes and systems within the business to being more of a high-level marketer advisor yourself. So I know you started on the operations side. Can you kind of take us through the past couple of years as you have transitioned? Yeah, for sure. So for context, I started my business as a full-time public school teacher with two young children in 2017. And I had no intention of becoming an entrepreneur at the time. So I started in the ops side. A lot of other women in that position do the same. So I was a virtual assistant and became what's called an online business manager, sometimes called an integrator. And the reason for that is because I was naturally very organized, very systematized. I'm really big on structure. So it really was a really easy sort of way to start. Like it was a great, and I knew that I, at the time I didn't know what this meant, but I knew I wasn't sort of an ideas person or a visionary person. I was great at partnering with people who were like that. And so that's where it started. I really, for the first few years was working as a you know, operations manager or a integrator for high six and seven figure business owners who worked in the info product space or had professional services and used digital marketing as a way to grow their business. And it was awesome. And I loved it. That transition really started for me probably like right before COVID really came in. That's a great, I hate to use that as the marker, but that was the marker that I can really recall when it started. That's um, okay. I think a lot of people made changes during that time. Totally understand. Yeah. And sometimes very smart. It was. And I don't know if I really intentionally started. It just sort of the needs of people started to change. And so I had already worked with clients who launched. I, I knew a lot about launching. I knew a lot about digital marketing strategies and funnels. And so I started sort of shifting into doing 
more work around funnel building and strategy, and then became certified as a master marketer and launch manager within the same like six month period of time during that two year period of COVID and started really working with people to help them launch their programs, overseeing that, helping them with the strategy. And it became really evident that a lot of people really needed thought partnership. They needed support and it was hard for them to kind of find that. And so I kind of worked on those skills and became more, more adept to doing that. And that was really how it started. And then eventually leaned into, led to what I'm doing now. I became a part of a mastermind and then a consulting program within the last year or so and really leaned into consulting and fractional CMO work where I kind of really fully leaned into the marketing side and help clients to kind of create, you know, strategic planning and marketing strategies. And then if they need me to come in and oversee all of the pieces and people and all the things that are involved, there are some people that need that. So I do that too. That's great. Well, it sounds like you were in one area and then you kind of went into a related area and now it's really CMO work is very customized, right? So with certain people, you go in and you manage a team and with other clients, you might go in and look at their strategy and identify ways that they can put processes in place so that they're not working so much in the business. Is that still part of For what sure. you do? There's a lot of, for almost everybody, it starts with looking at opportunities that they might be missing. It looks at sometimes streamlining what yeah. they're doing to make it more focused. And sometimes it can look like they don't really have a clear-cut strategy and plan in place that's sort of written down anywhere. I know that sounds wild, but believe it's you would be surprised. People can make a significant amount of revenue and not have a clear-cut, really aligned, unique-to-them process. They're just doing what has worked for them in the past. And so that will eventually cease <laughs> to stop working. And so we help them to fix that and create those. That's great. So tell me a little bit about your first few clients' work. So this is when you were teaching and you were doing Mm -hmm. VA stuff. I'm always interested when people step into an industry that's completely unrelated from the one they're currently in. So Mm -hmm. how did you just start your business and get those first few clients? Uh, Honestly, I didn't know what this was at the time when I started, but I've really leaned into relationship marketing strategies, like almost, I wouldn't say 100%, but it's very, very weighted in that direction. I didn't know what that was at the time, though. I didn't know that was what I was doing, what I was learning. I eventually figured that out later. And I'm like, well, I've been doing this already and didn't even know what it was. But it really was relationships. I had a friend that I had known for a long time. She was my first client and she needed help. And that's where it started. It was like $500 a month. And okay. for a teacher, you know, you're, I wasn't making a lot of money, a significant yeah. amount of money in my paycheck every month. So it was great to have that. And yeah, so that's where it started. And then it was, you know, connecting with people. I joined some programs and learned and educated myself and made new friends and new relationships. And it was just connections and you know, that's sort of where it built from there. And I sort of have always used good relationships and 
past clients and friends and colleagues to help me kind of connect to new people. That's great. That is how most people, I think, start their businesses and get Mm -hmm. those first few clients is through relationships. So what surprised you about having your own business? Well, I mean, I am not, I wouldn't call myself an accidental entrepreneur, but I'm definitely not the type of personality that you would see as like the poster child for a business owner. I'm pretty structured. I like order. I'm a six on the Enneagram. I like security. I like predictability, you know, and I'm not a, what I would call visionary. So that is somebody who naturally ideates. Like that's my natural inclination. I have a much higher integrator, like scale, like I'm much more of the balancer to the visionary. And so for me, though, what really surprised me is how much I really still needed structure to do well. When I finally left my teaching job in 2021 to go full time, it was very surprising how I thought, oh, I'm going to have all this time and I'm going to get so much more done. And that really wasn't the case. You still need Mm. to discipline is really important and having accountability and support, even though you have more flexibility. You right. still needed those things. And so that was a big learning curve for me in a, in a good way. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's great. And so you describe yourself as a marketing integrator, although not publicly usually, but you and I, I have said it better. publicly a couple of times, but okay. Okay. Not many times. <laughs> so talk a little bit about how you work with clients now. So I know it varies because what you do is kind of custom work. But you do have like a 90-day process and you do yep. have like, you know, why people come to you. So can you walk us through that, starting with why people come to you and then how you actually work with them to help them create a structure so they don't get burned out? For sure. So typically people come to me when they are already established, they're successful, they're probably making anywhere from 500000 to 750000 annual revenue typically. And mm-hmm. there's this something that happens when you're growing to seven figures. It's like one of my coaches in the past called it like the dark night of the soul period. And so <laughs> you're in this process where what has worked for you in the past may not be pushing you forward to growth any longer. And also you're typically the one still running all of your marketing and all of that stuff. And that feels very draining. And so you are tired and no space to create and ideate and all the things that a visionary really needs to do. So typically when they come to me, they're in kind of that space and they've probably exhausted their team as well. They have a team that typically, so it's like they've kind of, they're making money, but it's kind of stagnated a little bit. And so what we do is we, either partner with them as a consultant, which just basically means I'm a guide or a facilitator for them, or I actually come in as the great overseer, like the integrator marketer person that I am. And so I actually oversee and take ownership of everything. And we really start with a 90-day plan. So we really take a look at, we really dive deep into what's worked well for them in the past. You know, what are their best months, last 12 months? We really look at what's working. We really try really hard to not focus on what's not working. We really look at the good stuff and how can we lean into that and find opportunities. You know, that's what I have learned from my own training and consulting and things. And it really helps because your brain can take up so much space as an entrepreneur when you're focused on the the 
five things that are failing, but there's so many things that are working well. Why can't we redeploy those in maybe some unique ways? So we really spend time to create a 90-day plan for them that really focuses in on just a handful of strategic initiatives and growth opportunities. We're not trying to do 20 things. We're trying to do three or four. Okay. And we help them see some strategic growth, like incremental, you know, sustainable growth that helps them to kind of begin to make those moves up. It's longer lasting when you start to do it that way. Yeah. So if you're going to tell people, okay, we're going to focus on three or four things and they're like, but what about items five, six, and seven? Do you have to kind of pry them out of their hands? Or Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And a lot of that is because, again, when they have more time, they start to get more ideas and then they want to come oh, to God, they want some things, they, other things they want to do. And I'm like, that's awesome. But one of the important things as you are growing to seven or even seven to multi seven figures is you have to learn how to prioritize mm-hmm. and table ideas. And so that's a hard lesson for a visionary to learn because your team members who are often more tactical and not strategic are going to think everything is a priority if you tell them. And so what happens is you get people just going in a bunch of different directions and we're not focused on a singular goal. And that's really dangerous, which means you can fall back into that cycle of just spinning and not really going anywhere. We don't want that. So helping them see the importance of prioritizing will help them see some small successes. And then we can reflect on the plan make the next one, make adjustments, and then we can add something new if we have accomplished our past goals. So it's not like I'm saying no forever. I'm just saying let's prioritize what's really important that's going to help you see some revenue growth or whatever the goal focuses our KPI for that quarter, whatever that is. I'm like, yeah. Can you give us an example? Obviously, no names, but just an example of a client that maybe you took through that 90 days with a refocus and what that was like for them and, you know, what kind of results they saw. Yeah, I have a couple of recent ones and what's been really neat to see in this particular person I'm thinking of is how I think when people see it written out and you can see exactly what you have to do mm-hmm. and how simple it feels, it feels much more achievable. And I think the feedback I'm getting from this person and a few other people that I'm walking them through now is it it feels much more like they know what to do. They know okay. what the next steps are and they feel less kind of confused about what to do. I think that's the big thing is the pain point when they come in is very kind of they're not sure. So they're just trying different things. Whereas this, if they're following the plan, yeah. They feel like, oh, it feels nice to be moving forward and knowing exactly what to do. And knowing that if for whatever reason, like something doesn't work, it's great because then we can reflect and make adjustments as yeah. we're in the middle of it. So they, I think the feeling supported and feeling like they know what to do has been the best sort of kind of nice feedback I've seen from them. That's great. Well, that really gave us a good idea of who you work with and how you help them. So that is wonderful. Can you talk a little bit about where people can find out more about your services? Yeah, the best place to connect with me on to just get details would be my website, which is virtualsimplicity.co. I couldn't get the .com, so it's .co, virtualsimplicity.co. 
But you can also like LinkedIn is great. I'm on LinkedIn pretty actively where I talk a lot about that or even on Instagram as well. So those are great. And my name is Carrie Flynn on LinkedIn and um, Virtual Simplicity on Instagram. Those are all good places. And we'll have all those links in the show notes as well. So I guess one of my other questions for you is, what did you have to kind of embrace when you went into entrepreneurship? So we talk a lot about, I ask people a lot about, what did you have to overcome? And we talked a little bit about that. Managing your own time, I think for a highly organized person, that was probably a little bit of a surprise, like, oh, the days, hours can actually, you know, flow together. But what do you feel like you had to really embrace as an entrepreneur that maybe either wasn't something that you expected or wasn't necessarily natural to your way of being? Oh, well, number one, not all money is good money. That's really, I love that one. A really important lesson I had to learn because as someone who values security and safety, you have a tendency to accept, at least in the earlier years when I was probably the first few years I was in business, I would just accept. Even if I had some internal red flags, this hasn't happened very often, but it's happened a couple of times. And so now I know that to really trust myself and my instincts, if I feel something come up in a call, like a discovery call or a sales call or whatever, to not brush that off. It's not all money is good money, meaning sometimes it's more of a hassle than it's worth, especially with what I do. The relationships are so important. Yeah. And if there's some off feelings, the core values aren't lining up. Don't ignore that. That was very, very key. I would say that's a big one. The second one that I had to really embrace was just how important mindset work is and business development is. You cannot get away with not working on mindset on a daily basis, probably for me, because we all have, you know, issues with that in different ways. And I think it really has an impact on your ability to be successful as an entrepreneur, just in general. But also it will have an impact on your ability to really call in the right ideal people for you. If you work in any sort of consulting or service-based business, that's so vital that you're really bringing in the ideal people you need. And we don't want to be in a place where we're making fear-based decisions. You know, the biggest one for me is imposter syndrome. And so I am consistently working on that one because it comes up so much. Yeah, no. Those are really good insights, which tells me you have been doing a lot of mindset work work. because most people really have to reflect on that question and think about it. So I think that's really great. So what advice would you have for people who maybe aren't at that half a million to million dollar range, but are already plateauing in their business? What steps can they take to kind of get that 10,000 foot view and identify where they should be focusing. There's nothing wrong. You don't need to wait until you're there to do a 90 day plan. I'm not at that point in my own business and I still do this work on myself. I force myself to do it. And I think that that's a great place to start is creating a wonderful, really simple 90 day, you know, big picture overview. Do it quarterly, but don't be like, led by the quarters. If you start in November, it's not just do 90 days. It's not a big deal. (laughs) It's not magical if you don't start on October 1st. Like there's Yeah, done is better than perfect. Done is better than perfect. That's why we call it 90 day, not quarterly, because it doesn't Uh, like you start, you know, 
doing every few months, you're reflecting. So there's nothing wrong. You don't need to wait to be established. You know, you're already a real business. There's nothing saying that you need to wait. So start now. Like I have, I can absolutely provide that for you all in the show notes. There's, it's a, just a simple opt-in and you can get access to the template where I like explain what it means. Oh, great. And it's mm-hmm. really easy, but that's a great place to start. And then the second one is you've got to have some sort of external accountability. I really yeah. at wherever yeah. you can get it. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to spend thousands and thousands of dollars a month to get the support you need. But that's really important when you are feeling like you're plateauing or you're feeling like you're not really ready for marketing integrator work or consulting when you're there. But you can get some support with that in other ways, like joining masterminds and coaching programs or, you know, higher end, um, you know, memberships. And there's plenty of ways to get help with that without having to dig into your profit and bottom line. We don't want to put you in the red by hiring a consultant too soon because you won't need that. So absolutely get, you know, active and trying out a 90 day plan and active in getting some accountability around marketing support and sales and all the things until you're ready to hire one. So no, that's a really good point because we've talked about this many times on the podcast. Entrepreneurship can be very lonely yeah. and it's always good to seek out other entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. whether it's joining an organization, there's organization, a lot of national ones that have local ones or mm-hmm. your local small business center you know, you don't have to invest a fortune, but even out of the gate, I totally agree with you. Having some outside mentorship and accountability is important. And sometimes you can get that for a very low cost or free, even at some of the centers when you're just starting out. And then from there, you know, joining groups, as you and I know, and we've both done joining groups that are made up of people that you want to be like, right? You're either at their level, some may be slightly above, some might be slightly below, but you always want to be in an environment where you're challenged to consider new opportunities, whether you take them or not. And you're thinking and you have people that are rooting for you. So I I just, I cannot emphasize um, and underline what you just said anymore. I think that it's just so, so important. So what's next for you in business? Like, is this your sweet spot now? Are you already thinking about something else that you'd like to be doing? Do you want to grow your own team or are you enjoying being that kind of consultant that goes into other people's businesses? But keeps your own kind of area kind of clean and focused? Well, I've had an agency before, so I know that I don't want to scale in that way. So I really enjoy, I kind of have this really interesting mix of how I have my consulting and my marketing integrator work, which I love. And I'm almost full with that, which is awesome. So I'm pretty close to being capped for that for at least the next couple of months. But I also enjoy coaching in other people's programs. So I do that a little bit, which is lovely. Okay clients that I enjoy having those relationships with people who are maybe like a little bit newer and they're needing some support. I love working with people like that and I get to do that. 
And, you know, eventually maybe I'll do something. But I think for me, like, it's really important because I've had so much transition in the last year. <laughs> that yeah, really getting comfortable and just getting really nailing down like a great lead gen pipeline, like keeping that full, like really delivering quality, you know, consulting and support to my clients and helping them grow. And that's really important to me right now. I am not opposed to doing something a little bit less one-to-one in the future, however, because that'll be like the next level down. It's always on the table. I just don't know when that's going to be. No, that makes sense. Maybe next year. I don't know. So let me ask just to backtrack for one second. What did you not like about the agency model? I enjoy working with my clients and their teams, but it was very hard for me because I got pulled out of working with clients when I was doing that. I was more the CEO level. And so it was pretty hard because you do, I didn't have a huge agency, but you know, you have to manage a bigger team and there's more payroll involved and all of that, which felt pretty overwhelming. And I didn't really love that part of it. Relators like my third strength on the strength finders. And so I'm missing that piece of it. And that was hard. So when I learned about consulting and that was able to kind of shift into doing that while still not being super involved in all the things like that, it's great. Like it's a great way to do it. And even with being a marketing integrator, when you're involved in the business, I'm not working full-time hours. So, but I can still develop those relationships without having to be full-time, which is really nice. Good. That's great. Well, that was a good segue to our last question which is how I always end the podcast. This is called The Prosper Project. So Carrie Flynn, what does it mean for you to prosper? I love that question. We talked about this, I think about six months ago at my last mastermind retreat, what is to find success for yourself? You know, and for me, like success or prospering has, doesn't really have a dollar sign on it. Um, I've always said it's options. So number one, it's options. So Financial options, uh, time options are really important to me. Um, I'm like the squirrel that likes to put the nuts in the tree and prepare, you know, so like having more of that always feels mm-hmm. good. But also it means time flexibility so that I can be around for my family when they need me, take time for myself and sort of do what I would like to do. And ultimately, I think one of my coaches said this once, but you know, it's just like, if I wanted to go into Target, not being, having to panic about, am I going to have enough money to go buy what I want? Yeah. And that's really, and the time to do that. So that's really what it comes down to. I don't necessarily need to be a millionaire. That's not necessarily on my success vision board, but experiences and flexibility feels and options feels really good to me. That's great. That's wonderful. Well, Carrie Flynn, thank you so much for being our guest this week on The Prosper Project. And for those of you listening, please check the show notes for the links that Carrie mentioned. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Prosper Project. If you want to grow a peerless, profitable brand, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you find value in our show, please help us reach others by sharing an episode and leaving a review. In appreciation, please visit prosperforpurpose.com for more free resources to help you grow your business.